Today marks the beginning of Holy Week, where we engage with the scriptures in real time, if you will, putting each event on its categorized day as it was some 2,000 years ago. And so we begin with Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, and we see some evidence of the feelings present during that day that will be present in every day of this week. They are feelings that we don't necessarily like, and in fact, I would say probably don't like. Feelings of shame and vulnerability. Shame rears its head right here at the beginning because there are expectations of who Jesus will be, the kind of king that he will be, as he said. He was bringing about a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And people had clear understanding of what that might look like. This is where the rub came during Jesus' ministry. Jesus came and lived into the Magnificat, coming to the hungry, helping those that were in need. The words are beautifully stated in Luke's Gospel. This is the song of Mary. She says, From this day on, all generations will call me blessed, because God's mercy is on them who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his children forever. Indeed, this is what Jesus has been demonstrating throughout his ministry. Coming to those that are disenfranchised, who are on the edge, the sinners and the tax collectors, the prostitutes, this, the, those that are broken in some way, shape, or form, physically or emotionally, he comes to bring healing and wholeness. And if you're in that group, then you see Jesus' reign as the promise for a better future. But as we know from the stories that we heard leading up to this day and that we will invariably hear the rest of the year, not everyone was excited by what they saw Jesus do. The religious authorities thought he was blaspheming, healing on the Sabbath, engaging in eating with sinners, not asking his disciples to wash their hands before eating. They sought to shame Jesus into who they thought he should be. Perhaps they would have been wise to consider how it is that Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, not on a big white stallion that showed power and authority, but he comes on a borrowed animal. That should have been the first clue to them that he was going to be the savior in a way different than what they expected. As the week goes on, we see further evidence that Jesus is not being the Messiah as people wanted him to be, expected him to be. When he has that meal with his disciples, that last meal, before they eat, he takes a towel and puts it around his waist, and he comes and washes the feet of his disciples. And that is shameful. That's the role of a slave. Not of you, Lord. Get up, Peter seems to say hastily. You're not supposed to wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, this is the kind of savior I am, a servant. And he charges his disciples there in that room, 
to come with him, to follow him, to love one another as he has loved them, his greatest commandment. And it's not going to look like what they thought. Indeed, Thursday goes into Friday. Jesus is betrayed, and he is encountered by authorities in the garden on that early Friday morning. And they seek to tie him, to bind him as a criminal. You'll hear a little later, Jesus says, I've been with you all along. Why are you doing this? And the ultimate example of shame is in his death. He is to be crucified. That was considered the most shameful means of death. He who has come to bring a new kingdom ends up carrying a cross to a hill where criminals are hung to die. And he is subjected to that very same experience. You can hear the taunting that still goes on, as if if they shame him a little more, he might remember who he is and come down and save himself. They challenge his own claim to be the Messiah. But here is where the twist is for us in this holy story. That Jesus is in, it's in his vulnerability that he claims his authority. He pours himself out even in the face of hatred and anger and fear. Even as people bully him, taunt him, challenge him, he responds with love. A self-emptiness of himself. A theologian that I like to follow talks about this and tries to give an illustration of kind of like water wheel where the water pours into the wheel, which empties into the river, which takes up some more water, which pours back into the river. The self-emptying makes way for the living God to be incarnate within us. And we are called to follow. It is hard. I dare say we would find ourselves in any character in this story. There are only so many versions of humanity. And so as we hear this holy story, we can hear our place in it again. But Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, challenges people in this early hymn. You see how it's even written out in your leaflet, because it's a hymn. This early hymn of who Christ is and what it means to be a follower of him. Paul reminds us that though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Indeed, we'll hear that as he hangs from the cross, and even when he is beaten by the guards, that he doesn't call the angels down to rescue him. No, instead he empties himself, taking the form of a slave. He ties the towel around his waist. He washes his disciples' feet. He acknowledges his own humanity and receives a real death. He empties himself, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He didn't want that. He hoped that people would start to see him for who he is. And yet he knew that if they didn't, he would have to submit to that reality. But God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, 
so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Salvation is eternal and universal. It's for all creation. Even if you don't like it, Jesus says, it's what I have to offer. He gives himself for everyone, for all creation, so that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in doing that, the glory is given to God the Father. This is a difficult road to walk. We cannot walk it alone, of our own strength. It is only by the abundant grace and mercy and infinite love of God that we can continue to take step after step in following him. That's what we're invited into this week and for all the days to come so that God's glory can be made known. Amen.